Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Harland Podcast with your host Mark Cowley. I'm joined again this week by Karen Collins and Rory Walsh. All calm after Cusick Park and that draw. How are things, lads? Mark. Very good, very good. I suppose, Jenda, we'll look at the Munster Senior Hurling Championship Round 4 and Leinster Round 4. Uh, and we'll also look at the underage competitions as well. Offaly Miners bridging a 22-year gap by beating a gallant leash side last night. And also having a look at the under All-Ireland Under-20 uh, fixture uh, set for this weekend between Limerick and Kilkenny. I suppose, first off, guys, at Cusick Park Ennis last Sunday was really thrown back to the old school days packed house ferocious challenges physicality uh no quarter given and a draw at the end of the day i suppose rory from a clear perspective what's been the reaction of the banner to the, the results and also the performance i suppose the fear going into the game mark was that uh clear had been going so well and people were saying well cork and Tipperary's form had been so poor how good were clear could they withstand even the physicality of limerick and um, yeah, and that's the, the answer was yes, they could, and that the fact they were able to you know go blow for blow with Limerick um, all the way to the end of it as well, and uh, you know possibly uh, both teams had that chance in in the fourth minute of injury time where high ball in around the square, Shanner had just come in and you're saying will he you know first ball coming into him will he get the pot out and then the broke and Limerick launched a counter attack only for it to you know. To go out over the sideline at the end and the draw like was a fair result. I presume both teams could have gone at it. I thought at a couple of times when Clare pulled three clear that it looked like, you know, but they never got to that four point, five point gap when they were having their spells. Limerick always reeled them in. Um so there was a couple of times where I thought Clare might, you know, get that gap. But uh, other than that, like it was, you know, and it, yeah, it was ferocious championship hurling. Uh at the game, it was so tense at the game and the kind of atmosphere, really charged atmosphere that I didn't really, it's hard to say, like you couldn't really enjoy it at the game because, you know, there was no time to kind of where you ever felt that, even from a clear perspective, that, oh, we have them now because, as I mentioned, that gap didn't didn't uh, ever materialise. But when I came back and watched it then, maybe 48 hours later when everything had calmed down, appreciated, like, watching it again for the second time, like, without all that tension, like, what a good game it was in terms of the pace of it, the ferocity of it, and... Just even like the the fitness and conditioning of both these teams that um to, to produce what they did and what was kind of you know a, a warm enough afternoon as well to just for the whole 74 75 minutes of it it was yeah look it was a great game a great game and you know you're just hoping that Claire who seems to be on an upward trajectory can keep it going and you know that this isn't the peak of it for them and they don't think oh aren't we great now but they keep improving keep progressing and that they really you know go into the rest of this championship like thinking you know we, we still touch a toe with Limerick that means that even they won't meet after the Munster championship whatever way that goes they won't meet Limerick again to, until an All-Ireland final if it happens that they could say okay we're, we're good enough to be in an All-Ireland final and that they really set their sights for that yeah Karen, we'll bring you in you've championed Clare here particularly at the start of this podcast series at the start of the year you really felt that Clare have been up and coming but I suppose from a Limerick perspective what was your general feelings about the performance and uh any kind of thoughts after the game in terms of going ahead, moving into the monster final between these two teams? I suppose, yeah, from a Limerick point of view, like the the same pressure wouldn't have been on the team on the day because they didn't need a result. I think Clare, you know, it was evident enough to Clare, Clare did need a result. And I think at the end of it, the draw suited both teams. You know, it, it, it 
got clear into the Munster final. And, you know, from a Liverpool point of view, they got game time into, you know, Robbie Hanley and Dave Reedy and Jamie Flanagan, uh, Boyle and, you know, Oshin O'Reilly came on. So lads who, I suppose, are, you know, okay, Bar Flanagan are, are fringe players, you know, and getting experience in, in that kind of a setting in, in Cusick Park, the, the frosty, the crowd, you know, the the game itself, like the hits were ferocious. Like, you know, you could... You could just see him just watching on television. Like it was just like it was brought me back to the Munster Championship in the nineties. Like, you know, it was just, you know, from one end to the other, like the leads I think it changed hands ten times, you know, during the game. So really good game, really physical. I think, yeah, like I'm not surprised with the clear performance. To me they have been up and coming. You know, I think I highlighted last year they're a puck of a ball of away from from Eaton Cork and like we all know Cork got to the All Ireland final. So you know, if you're looking back in the farm line, they weren't far away last year. Um, obviously, an injury, injury blighted start of the year. Um, but I think if you look at the teams who did well in the league and look where they are now, you know, and if you compare that to Limerick and Clare, you know, um, one win each and a, and a draw which, against each other and compare that to the likes of Wexford and Waterford and Cork, you know, and these three teams are staring down the barrel of being eliminated next weekend. So I think it just shows that league form is, is league is about, you know, getting your house in order and getting experience into lads from a player point of view. They were they were building and building at games and down as players came back and, and still have players to come back. I think like Mark Rogers I'm hearing is fairly you know back going to be back fairly soon and Aidan McCarthy, you know, he'd be a huge addition to the midfield, you know, and obviously getting Neil Galvin back in as well. So you can talk about Limerick's uh, missing players. Obviously, they're all-star players, the likes of Keen Lynch and, and Peter Casey and, and, and Aaron Gillan that didn't play Sunday. But, you know, Clare have their own players to come in as well. Yeah, really impressive game. But I think certain players that the last thing in Tipperary for Limerick didn't play well, I think Willow Dunahoo really stood up. You know, geez, he must have been running on a dirty diesel the last day because he was immense on Sunday. You know, the hits he put in, the just the pressure he put on. Uh, Dan Morrissey, I thought he really had a bad game against Tipperary. Again, thought he really stood up, and it was important for these guys to not to have two bad games in a row going forward. And you know, because we all know that there's there's players in 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 the wings waiting to get a turn. So like, there's no jersey belongs to anyone. Uh, I think Kylie has shown that. You know, it's a bit like Cody has done with Kilkenny over the years. He's ruthless if he needs to be, and. Uh, you know, you, you don't get to put in two or three bad performances in a row without, I think, losing your position. Um, yeah, just great game. And if Aaron Fitzgerald is ever wondering about life after hurling or if the block lane drives up, I'm sure Fair City will be there waiting in the wings for him. Yeah, Rory, we'll probably get to that in a minute. But uh, what impressed you about Clare? Uh, just performance-wise, Tony Kelly has taken an awful lot of plaudits. I mean, magnificent performance with 16 points. But uh, who else stood out for you uh, uh, in the 70 minutes? Yeah, Tony. To get started with Tony Kelly, the he was electric. Like first, every ball that came into him, first few minutes, he was he just you know it's one of those you know in sport where you have um like Brian O'Driscoll in his pump and they just seem to have more time and space than everyone else and that was like evident that was like Tony Kelly was kind of playing at a different speed than everyone else is in slow motion compared to him almost and in a game of that ferocity for him to stand out like that where nobody else could find space but. Tony had four or five points whipped over in the first 10, 10, 11 minutes where nobody could lay a finger on him. And uh, yeah, the, like he, 
as the game went on, I suppose, he did kind of fade ever so slightly, and that's been extremely harsh on one of the, the great Munster Championship performances. Um, I suppose that he could have actually, as, as I think it was uh, Christian Connor pointed out in the paper, went through, he could have actually ended up with 20 points. He had two kind of uncharacteristic wides. He pulled another ball across to Ryan Taylor, where he could easily have tapped it over himself, probably hunting for a goal um, at the time. So, yeah, he... he yeah, I think it was 16 points he finished with, and it could have could have been up around 20 points, and that would have been absolutely incredible. Look, going back as well, Rory Hayes, full back line, all the full back line did really well. Rory Hayes in particular, and um, Seamus Flanagan was probably hoping, you know, coming back from injury, that he'd get a few points on the board, confidence going, and then to see Rory Hayes thundering out past him for a ball, like, and every slight touch, like Flanagan's touch, was a bit off, and every, you know, you can't afford that with a player of uh, Hayes's quality. And look, at the start of the year, my biggest worry, as we know, in the podcast was Clare's backline. But I thought they were really solid. And even the goal they conceded, they got the hook in on Boylan and it kind of hopped back into his hand. I thought of the game that he had picked it off the ground. But when I saw it again, it had hopped back off his early into his hand. And he did really well to get the hand pass off. Um, so, yeah, like in a way, they defended, still defended that well, that incident well. The goal chance shot him down, got the hook in, and still it ended up in the net for them. But uh, back's really good. Um David Fitzgerald wing forward. I know Dan Morris, you were saying, did well, but David Fitzgerald had a better from him at times. Uh, got some great long-range scores in the first half when Clare needed a couple of scores early on to settle them. Um, but yeah, look, it was kind of a strange one as well. Like there was, let's say, Cahill Malone wasn't, didn't hit the heights he had in the first two games. Shane O'Donnell didn't hit the heights first two games. Duggan was well marshaled. Now he got his, caught three great balls, but then didn't find the player. He tried to offload. One Barry Nash intercepted and with a goal on and it was over in the second half as well where I don't know who got a, a hurley to it but so I suppose if those hand passes had come off we'd be saying you know how important he was in the game but it as it transpired he didn't have that effect that we thought he might have so I suppose from a clear point of view as well you're saying where is it is this as good as it can get and as Kieran pointed out we have players coming back all the time uh, every week there seems to be another lad off the treatment table Aidan McCarthy apparently is a full week's training done um, now he has had a long layoff, so will there be a chance for him to play against Waterford? I don't know if, if he's, you know, that match ready yet to go in, uh, play play again. Maybe coming off the bench might be an option. Shane Meehan now hopefully will get his start against Waterford. I thought he made a big difference when he came in. He just brought a bit of energy and zip, scored a point, won a free as well that was scored. Um, so, yeah, he, he will definitely add to the team. And I think he's one yet that, you know, a lot of people haven't really seen much of him yet. Um, outside of Clare and uh, he could really have a you know an impact yet going forward if he can stay injury free again because his hamstring has been troubling him for a while yeah so look and then also Shane O'Donnell as well really quiet so like you're, you're kind of looking saying will Malone O'Donnell and Duggan be as quiet again now they were again part of that was because they were well marked but you'd be hoping from Clare that there'd be improvement there in those three performances so look as well as a lot of lads played there is still like Lohan will still be able to point to things to improve on, which is kind of the way you want to be. You didn't lose and there's still plenty to improve on. You go into a Munster final. So I don't think there'll be any like clapping on the back yet and the well dones and any of that. Like that'll be way that'll be kept for um, you know, hopefully the day of the Munster final. <laughs> the two full back lines, you know, they're probably the two the uh player and Limerick's full back lines are probably the on farm full back lines at the minute. Like and I think that showed with like the, the Limerick goal was probably the only real goal chance. I know there was kind of, you know, little moments maybe, but I think any any time there was a moment, it was it was sort of fluffed out fairly quick. You know, obviously 
I remember that interception by Nash there. Uh, I think Dogan got to pass away and Nash intercepted. But you know, the, I think um, again Rory Hayes and Paul Flanagan, like they were they were solid back there. You know, but I think for Limerick as well, like on it, look, he was in the obviously he's in the in the media for different reasons. But I think Groal Hegarty is just immense. I think really in the last few games, he's kind of taken over the mantle for me for, for from Keen Lynch missing. You know, he's playing a more of a central role that we would have seen him maybe in the last year or two. I think like. He's involved in everything going forward, you know. Um, you know, maybe back to even 2020, he was kind of more, you'd find him more in the wings than he was popping up and in space. And, you know, I think that's why he was scoring so much. But, like, now he's just, he's involved in everything going forward. I think he's, he's incredible. Uh, he's, he's, I think like, he has it all. He has skill. He can break a tackle, obviously. Um, you know, he, his vision, like, he, he he's up there one of the best. Look, obviously, there's... He's in the media for different reasons, but uh, obviously harshly this week. But, but I think he's just been incredible, and uh, I think he's really filling the gap. Like Lynch is pivotal to Limerick, and I think uh, you know Hegarty's really stepping up and taking up that role. I think. Yeah. I think stat with Hegarty was he had six possessions and four points. Yeah. Which you know, um, and like two or three of the scores were under immense pressure, where he could just barely get a strike away, and there's ball dropping over the bar sixty yards down the field. So. And at crucial times as well, as you said, Kieran, when they needed somebody to step up, um, Hegarty was that guy. Um, I wonder will Clare the next day in the Munster final maybe pop Dermot Ryan across because Dermot Ryan would pose problems driving forward from Hegarty as well. He'd kind of bring Hegarty back into his own half a bit more. Maybe that's something um, that Lohan will look at. And also on the high ball as well, like McInerney caught one great ball, but was you know for two balls he was outfielded by Hegarty. Um, and like I, at the time, I thought he was going up with his hand, going, "Gee, you know, don't try now catch Claude Hegarty." But when I saw it back again, he was actually going up with the hurley and was still outfielded, you know. Um, and I know it's easy, probably say it, stop him catching the ball, but he's big man, very good in the air, so it's not easy to do. But at least Kermit Ryan would have a bit more of a kind of a bit more height in the high ball, and uh, as I said, will we'll drive forward as well, and will force Hegarty back up the pitch a small bit. Yeah. And I think, to be fair, guys, we haven't even mentioned it, Dermot Burns and Barry Nash. I think Matt Nash has probably been one of the Limerick players of the year so far. I mean, the timely interceptions, as you say, there, Karen, were unbelievable. Dermot Burns, again, 9.7 from freeze. And I mean, the last moment, glass gasp, equaliser. I mean, what pressure to be put on under there to get a result. But hate to bring it up, but the officiating crew, guys, um, there's been an awful lot of talk in terms of and I wouldn't even mention referee here. I think it's the whole officiating crew have to be maybe discussed here. What were your feelings here? I know Rory and Karen. I think speaking to a few Limerick and Clare supporters after the game, they felt that certain decisions didn't go their way. But what was your general feeling on the officiating, how it went, and uh, where can we improve going into the All-Ireland well, Munster final and All-Ireland series? What can we improve maybe from an officiating standpoint? And maybe Karen would start with you first. Yeah, look, we all know, like the Grohl Hegarty incident, the second year, look, Harris, look, Aaron Fitzgerald, look, yeah, it, it's creeping into the game. Um, we can bury our head in the sand and, you know, let it creep in and, and, and happen more and more, or they can stamp it out. I think there has to be, there has to be punishment for, you know, for simulating and, and you know, I think it's something that GA are going to have to look at and look at it strongly. But I don't think, the, for, for me, the frustration isn't with Aaron Fitzgerald. You know, players are going to try this. They're going to, 
do whatever they do can do to help their team and maybe win a free or get a guy sent off. I think, and not just call him lines, but like, you know, he's not the only man there. Like, you have the two linesmen, you have, you know, you have four guys at the goalposts. Like, I mean, I think there needs to be more of a, a, a unity between all, you know, between all six, seven guys. Um, you know, I think everyone's talking about two referees or maybe bringing in even a, a TMO, but. You know, between seven guys around the field, surely most things could be covered. Or you know, I'm not sure if they're all mic'd up, but I don't know. It's GA really needs to look at it. Like the, the hurling is getting faster, and you know, as I think Roy pointed out today, like Dermot Burns hits the ball 100 yards down the field. You know, how can the referee keep up with that? You know, regarding column lines of the day, I, I look I, aside from the goal Hegarty two yellow cards. I think there was definitely two or three. Freeze Limerick could have got at the end. I think Declan Hannon got, you know, kind of a frontal charge. Reedy was kind of held on, you know, the, the shorts were nearly pulled off him. Um, I, I'm sure Clare have their own grievances as well. And it, it's hard to pin it all on one man, but the definitely in, is it, it, maybe it's the speed of the game, but I think the level of refereeing is, is spiraling down. Uh, I think Fergal Horgan, for me, is the best referee out there, you know, but outside of Fergal, it's hard to pick. You know, someone that can put it up to the same level Fergal brings when he when he referees. You know, he's I think he's fair. He lets it go if he has to. The silly stuff doesn't doesn't happen. He stamps it out. But definitely, I think it's something that has to be addressed sooner rather than later within GA. Roy, good tender. Yeah, like okay, taking out the major incident there with Hegarty and Aaron Fitzgerald, but even up until then, I was incredibly frustrated with. The referee and and linesman. I thought there was a even there was a couple of line ball calls uh, and right in front of us that, that looked like that looked clear as day that were flag was pointed the other way and you're just kind of going like these are incidents right in front of of linesmen. And um, there was a couple of like blatant frees for both sides. There was one uh, where John Cannon was coming out and oh, Tom yeah. Morrissey uh, tripped him. Limit got a score out of it, I think. And you're just kind of going like these were ones that are it's not even in a crowd of players. They're two players on their own. One player goes to sidestep, the other gets stripped. And there was a, a, a Limerick incident, I think, Kieran, you mentioned one, and it was like maybe two minutes later. And the only thing you're saying at that stage is, okay, at least these decisions are balancing themselves out in a way, but still they're poor decisions. Like uh, sometimes, you know, you see a free miss and then you see another one given for like absolute soft free. And uh, yeah, look, uh, well, I think what's really frustrating sometimes at a match is when you see what, what should be a certain free and then three seconds later, the, a free for a similar incident goes the other way and that's what really annoys supporters more than anything else if you're kind of saying okay well if, if there's consistency and um, within even a, a play even within a play that like what isn't deemed a free one minute or is deemed a free like five seconds later like that that's really annoying but as well like w w with the incident as well like it, it reminds me because in 2018, we had Dermot Burns and David Reedy, where Dermot Burns went down very easily, and that red card was rescinded. Um, so, look, and in fairness, I would say John Kiley had a word. We've never seen anything like that again from Burns, and I'm sure Lohan, who we all know like was one of the toughest hurlers you come across. I don't think Lohan would condone any, you know, anything from Fitzgerald. And I said he, he, I would imagine, and I would put my house on the fact that Lohan has had a, a word with him that this, you know does not look good. Uh, he 
he did go down like holding his stomach where he wasn't hitting the stomach you know we, we can see that at the time like and just to show like I was behind the incident right behind it and so I saw you know Hegarty swing coming in and that's the only thing with the incident was the whistle was gone and he is swinging in with his Hurley and he makes contact with Fitzgerald's Hurley but like he doesn't make contact with his stomach Fitzgerald goes down so if you're behind it and you see the whistle gone you see the swing and you see a player drop you presume he, he's been hit and maybe that's the view like the umpire's head but like you with two officials close by Colin Lines was close by Linesman was close by and he runs 65 meters into the umpires you know and, and I think you need to be certain in a situation like that you, if that linesman obviously said, I'm not sure, otherwise he wouldn't have got into the umpires. And if the linesman said he wasn't sure and he's standing nearby and he hasn't, he obviously isn't sure, like, and he ran into the umpires, there's no way the umpires probably said, Oh, yeah, there's a definite strike there. I think he kind of had a feeling there might be due to the reaction of the crowd and he went with a feeling rather than you have to be sure, I think, in a situation like that, or somebody has to be sure. And I don't think any of the officials were sure, and yet he flashed the second yellow. So that'd be my view of it. Maybe like there was a lot of criticism kind of viewed the Aaron Galan incident from the week before, which I think we all agreed last week was it, it was it was yellow. No, you could make grounds for there was a strike on in there. Now he he did, as we said, released one hand and kind of went through. And then there was the Munster final last year where like Galan should have been sent off. And there's that feeling maybe going into the referee saying, well, if I don't deal with this one they'll be all saying oh Limerick have got away with it uh, you know another incident second week in a row I think that was a factor but like that should not go into the referee's mind at all he should be dealing with each incident as it happens have I seen it has somebody got a clear view of it in that case there wasn't so he shouldn't have flashed a yellow unless he somebody had said he clearly has hit him here and that yeah. didn't happen as far as I as far as I could see the conversations were on too long for somebody to say so he went with a gut feeling rather than what he had seen I just want to make two points, Mark, quickly. Yeah, sure. I think based on, like, I think overall it took two and a half minutes to, between talking to the linesman and talking to the, the boys of the White Coats. Like, if there was, a, a, you know, a scenario in GA where there was, like, a, a TMO or even a big screen where just the referee could watch it back again, like, the decision would have been made in 10, 15 seconds, you know. So I think people are kind of saying, you know, oh, if we bring in a TMO type thing, it'll slow the game down. I don't think it will necessarily, you know, even if it was just like a, each team had one contestant during the game, not to be going to it every, every second or every five minutes, just every captain has one option to contest a decision and, and let it go and let it be reviewed. I think something like the game is too quick for one man to, to, to referee it, I think. The other point I want to make, and I'm going to defend grow integrity in this, um, he's been created in the media, I suppose, especially to be this villain, you know, and in the last 10 years, it's happened with Dublin football and Dear McConnelly. You know, he was created to be this villain on and off the field. And what happened? He walked away from football. You know, he couldn't, whether it was a break in a red light, anything he did, he was in the media for right or wrong reasons. And I think these guys are amateur players. They're working on a Monday morning. And I think they need to be protected from social media. And, you know, these like we have athletes putting on a performance every weekend for us, you know, and I think the, the more needs to be done to protect them from abuse and what, whatever else they're getting on social media. I think it's just, it's, it's gone too far. There's too many keyboard warriors who can say what they want about certain players. Look, we all know, look, I'm the first to say it. And I think Gerald Hegarty probably admit himself that Galway game, it was a deserved red card without a doubt. But it's up to the referees to penalise these things. It's not, you know, a player can't be held or oh, his pass is catching up with him, you know. 
if if a game ends and the referee hasn't penalised, that should be it. It shouldn't be talked about anymore, or you know, it shouldn't be held against him going into next year. You know, I just think there needs to be more done to protect him, and uh, you know, because these guys will just start walking away. Just as well, like after the Guardians, I don't think a road. He did an interview, probably ill judged one, where he mentioned it's killer be killed out there. And look, those kind of things, uh, you know, I do play on the edge, maybe. And then, uh, you know, that became a new, like, well, I presume it was it was one of these, you know, a, a launch of a, a pro, whatever. I can't remember exactly what it was, maybe launch of a championship. And a journalist is just waiting for a line to kind of, and suddenly it was a, you know, big headline in the sports section, um, which I'm sure the journalist was absolutely delighted with. But it, then that feeds into it as well, because you can bet, like, the referees are obviously hurling fans as well, and they're reading the same interviews we're reading. And it just, you know, just probably as well, again, I know these guys have got media training or whatever, but they will latch on anything at all, any line at all that will kind of, you know, fuel the uh, perception that's out there. So, yeah, look, and I think if it was another player, if it was uh, Tom Morrissey and that incident had happened or whatever and the ref wasn't sure and hadn't seen it, you know what I mean? I don't think that the same action would have been taken. But, um, yeah, look, at the same time, like, it it was... it, it, it became a big talking point in the game and what was an absolutely, a, you know, a fantastic game of hurling. And I don't think we should lose sight of that. And um, and to allude to what Kieran said, like we're talking amateur players, the amount of time that they're giving up and the condition they're in. If you brought somebody who'd never seen hurling before, they would be convinced this is a professional sport with, you know, and we forget these lads then are going back to work then Monday morning. Like uh, Nicky Quay go back into his classroom, Patrick Swell, and you know it's just phenomenal, like what these lads are doing and the effort they're giving. And um, John Conlon as well, you know, come back in. I, I'm plugging the teachers here, but you know what I mean. It's just going in, and probably have kids in the class then talking about incidents from the game and all that. Like, and they're and they're told by management, like avoid conversations now about this. But you go back into the real world, whereas um, professional athletes, you know, are in their own bubble and kind of away from from this kind of conversations and stuff like that and I think that's why we mentioned last week about Waterford and how hype can fit easily feed into GA teams can easily feed in and no matter what's done to try and avoid it we've seen it probably with Mayo over the years and every effort is made to avoid hype becoming a negative factor and it just kind of seeps in and that's why as well like uh, you know it's disappointing to see Anthony Daly kind of putting out an article one morning saying oh these are you know Claire or Whitler McNeil top two teams in the country and I'm kind of going I'm not sure about that, like, because Galway, Kilkenny, we, we, you know, you just don't know how these teams are going to shape up to each other, like, so. We all, we all see how that fared out for Derek McGrath. Yeah, exactly. It, it, you know, it doesn't, doesn't do any good, I think. And it's an unproven comment as well. Absolutely. And maybe we can get down to Waterford. Uh, Liam Cahill, I think, last week, we were a bit concerned by his comments about the uh, save our season, pack out Walsh Park. Maybe he had an inkling what might have happened last Sunday. His description post-game was Waterford were like a car on dirty petrol. Uh, Cork, season on the line, deservedly win by six points. Karen, what were your, what was your reaction on that Cork win? And has Waterford season run um, kind of a course to the rocks? Yeah, and I think that Cork win was probably more commanding than the, the six points might have suggested. Like, you know, I think they were on top in every facet. There was a period there before half-time where, like, Cork were coming wave after wave, and I think the Arafis Gibbon was central to that. And Waterford were just, they, they had no way of stopping it, you know. And it wasn't the Waterford we have seen this year. Look, I'm going to go back to the point I made earlier there regarding league form and and uh, championship form. You know, Waterford, obviously, they were touted as the top team, second team in the country. And 
you know, I think it just shows the approach Limerick and, and Clare have taken. You know, I think it's probably the, or I think even what Galway are probably doing as well, their time in their run. And I think, is it a case Waterford are maybe burnt a bit? You know, hard to know. I think Waterford looked like a team that were just low on confidence. And, you know, is it down? I think I saw Paddy Staple in the tweet up, and it's a very good point to think that, you know, is it a mental thing like losing to Limerick, knowing the four or five key players that Limerick had been missing and, and losing in the manner they lost? Was it the case that they thought they were further up the ladder than they were? I don't know. But look, I'm not going to take away from Cork. We've seen Cork do what we haven't seen all year, you know. Um, I think Lehan and Hardy, Hardy were centered to it. Just the, the intensity just went up like. 200% from what we've seen in the early games this year. I think Luke Mead in midfield seems to be offered more defensively, you know, sent defensive cover to the half-back line. And I think as well as allowing if it's given to get forward, uh, Tim O'Mahony, I think, really, really dangerous for the forward. You know, I think that could be... It was a move that was probably talked about uh, among critics for a while. And I think, you know, obviously they were slow to, to latch on, but geez, it was, uh, he looks incredible in there. Um kind of gone to the stage where I'm thinking should they go without Patrick Horgan? Maybe, you know, I think he, obviously the last few games we've seen him, he's been there for the freeze, but he, he's not bringing the same work rate that maybe another young forward might bring. And uh, yeah, look, Cork, they, they've really turned it around. I think everyone thought they were going down for a beating against Waterford. Um, the one position I would still have reservations about is 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 Downey at full back. I think, you know, there's probably a lack of pace there and I think he might be a targeted, you know, targeted member of the Cork backline come later on in the year if 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 Cork get that far. Yeah, look, really impressive, but it's hard to know how, how good Waterford actually were in today. Yeah, Rory, we'll get you in here. What was your general feelings of that Waterford performance? Uh didn't seem to hit the highs of maybe a league final a few weeks prior, but like Dizzy Hutchinson scored us. I mean, that really told the story in 11 wides in that second half after being only a point down with a considerable breeze behind them in the second half. Things just didn't go according to plan for Waterford all today. No, and there was, we mentioned last week there was kind of warning signs like uh, Liam Gall having to come out um, looking for supporters. Like there was obviously, I, I think there was a, a feeling of... of kind of like Waterford were going to win this game and oh, kind of apathy from supporters that they thought it was an, almost a done deal um, with, with Cork's form. And even, um, I might disagree with you, Kieran, and that I think Waterford thought the way they kind of came back against Limerick that, you know, the, in previous years, they had gone on and lost by the eight to 10 points, but they showed this heart and scored the two goals at the end. And that maybe that they were kind of losing the game, but going in on a bit of a bounce and supporters were kind of feeling, okay, if we can do that against Limerick, we, and we saw what Limerick did to Cork, that uh, home home advantage and everything. I I just think that there was that bit of kind of hype and maybe lacking a bit of realism because I keep alluding to this, but last year Munster Championship, Clare played Waterford and Tarlis, and it was a similar performance. Like Clare were whatever I think they were up ten points at one stage, and uh, Waterford kind of came back to them a bit in the second half and they held on by four. But there was never a, a, a feeling that Waterford were ever going to win the game, and that game was kind of like you know tipexed out as if never really happened. And, you know it was. On the day and it wasn't the real Waterford but maybe that is the real Waterford like and sometimes they have when they have been underdogs they have kind of outperformed themselves like you're looking there we, we spoke Caleb Lyons phenomenal hurler but like Caleb Lyons was 
poor the last day. He normally chips in with a few scores from the field, no score. Desi Hutchinson, no score. Shane Bennett, one point. Mikey Kiley, a goal that rebounded back into his hand, you know. So, like, there's your full forward line chipping in with 1-1 one, one from play. Um, against the Corkville backline that had been riddled in every game so far this year. So, um, yeah, and I think, look, as well from Liam Cahill's point of view as well with selection, you're putting Mikey Kiley in kind of in around and Robert Downey inside there who it's going to suit him. Like, same as last year, Shanahan from Clare in and Robert Downey and nearly made an ulcer out of Downey because it's the kind of player he wants to be marking. Um, yeah, but and then from a Cork point of view, like we, we can't just say it was all negative from Waterford because there was a point in the game where, where Cork got the goal first half and Waterford rattled off. I think Waterford went up 1-10, 1-6 and you're kind of thinking, what a reaction to the goal? And they're going to power on from here. And then Cork at the next five, six points to lead by a point, going in a half time after playing into the breeze. And um, yeah, that was that was really where the game was, you know, that was really where the game swung in, the, in those moments. And yeah, again, about Patrick Horgan, we've kind of mentioned it a while. He's, he's powers of scoring from play have waned. So are, are you just going to leave him there for free taking? Because, you know, he doesn't offer a lot without the ball um, from a tackling point of view. And I think over the years, like he's scoring, he's unbelievable power scoring, like maybe six points from play, seven points from play. You know, it meant like you had to play him. Whereas now, I, you know, it's a question for Kingston. Um, is he a guy you bring in in a tight game with his experience maybe to get those couple of scores, you know, when the game opens up a bit and he's a bit fresher? Um, but going forward, yeah, it, it's a question for him. And Tim Amani, is, he plays forwards for Mary Eye in the Fitzgibbon for a couple of years and done quite well there. And it was just something that we kind of wondered why Cork hadn't tried it before. Um, always rampage forward from wing back and wasn't good going the other way, but put him, put him in the forwards. And he still has that whole tackling from being a back, but can cause real problems going forward, which he did against Waterford as well. So yeah, look, it's it, it's a bit of both um, in terms of Waterford, maybe weren't as good as everyone thought they were, and Cork, who hadn't had hadn't performed as well as they could in the first few games, and just that whole thing of pride. And Harlan as well often just comes down to sometimes just raw aggression and pride, and that bit of hurt can, you know, carry you over. And for a sport is becoming more and more professional and technical. Sometimes it's raw emotion comes back into it. And we saw that in both games at the weekend. And so, yeah, uh, the whole passion and that isn't gone out of hurling just yet. Like it still counts for a lot. Yeah. Cause we mentioned last week in this podcast, there had to be enormous pride, enormous motivation for that Cork panel and management team. And I mean, I think Dermot O'Sullivan kind of alluded to it a little bit in post game. Apparently there was a few kind of comments in terms of, how the columnist's comments of previous weeks had really fed the motivation and the hunger and the desire within the group to really kind of push on. And I mean, this was, this could have been ended the line for Conor Lehan, Seamus Hartley, guys like that. If that result hadn't gone their way, I think these guys are kind of looking at the intercounty exit door, which is, but I think they may have stepped upon Joyce at centre half back and Conley in full forward as a real goal poacher, Kieran, here. And I mean, you know, the goals were kind of maybe kind of a key thing for Cork to have someone inside her with a bit of a, Nose for goal, and I mean, Conley certainly produced that with 2 1 anyway on the day. Oh, yeah, he was unbelievable. And I think, you know, he has been all year, you know, for a young guy, he's only going to get better and better. Um, but I, I agree with Roy's point, like, where I think the the five or six points Cork rattled off before half time, like, they went into the dressing room at half time, you know, and like, we have these guys, you know, we have them where we want them, um, you know, we can beat them. And, you know, I'm sure they took a lot of slack, and, you know, it wouldn't. They wouldn't be a proper, a good team uh, without a fight back. Like you know, we expected a fight back against Clare, didn't come. You know, um, 
Obviously, we got against Waterford, but they've got to do it back to back. They've got to do it now again on Sunday against Tipperary to to secure their their right for third place in, in Munster. And uh, you know, it's not a given yet. You know, Tip obviously have I know it's only a slight chance, but they have something to fight for. So, you know, I think the it's all well and good doing it on one day, but I think Cork need to do it consistently now. Is probably their next their next target. Absolutely, I suppose that's. Austin Gleeson, probably Patrick Kern were leading the line for Watford pretty well, but hate to kind of bang on about this, but Ozzy Gleeson, uh, again, another red card at a crucial stage of a, a game. What were your thoughts on these two yellow cards, uh, Rory? Yeah, it, you know, it, I think he was an easy target. Like, if you if you were marking Ozzy Gleeson and he's a yellow taken, and the first one was a yellow, then you're going to say, oh, like, there was, uh, wasn't it Downey, was it, who grappled Downey, Downey. Was Downey, yeah. 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 Just start grappling him and, you know, pull him onto the ground and that's what seemed to happen and then some easy cop out of the ref is give two yellows but you know you're staying on you have no yellow Austin Gleeson is off so like, again did the ref clearly see a yellow card incident there rather than just two players kind of grappling and going onto the ground was there any punch was there any strike I don't think so so that's the one that annoyed me and look it, it is an easy thing to do um, put out a player who hasn't a yellow on him who'll you know what's Austin Gleeson meant to do there just stand up and get shoved around and dragged down like that's you know it, it's just it's, it, it's you could say we t- we spoke about kind of um you know uh feign an injury from earlier which you know is no place in our game and i think this is another kind of negative thing you can do it's cynical cynical i think to try and get a and in a way there you're trying to get a player sent off like that's that's the way and it is it, look he again a bit like hegarty austin gleason is a guy now with you know his kind of target on him and and I think I just think that okay first yellow card warranted here second yellow card I don't think so I think he was unfairly targeted and yeah uh, so and look it had a, had to have an impact on the game I know Cork were up five points at the time but Austin Gleeson still has this kind of he can do he can do magical things he could race through for a goal and pull Waterford it's like just while he's on the pitch there is that you know there is a factor of you still have that chance but at the stage it did look beaten but like that was the end of it. Like that was completely the end of it when he went off. And yeah, but I think I think as well, Rory. If you look at like if you take in Hegarty's red card, Gleason's red card, and Ian Galvin's from the week before, like there were three right cards that shouldn't have been red in in, in two weeks. You mm-hmm. know, so uh, you know to me, and and they weren't conclusive. Like you know, so it wasn't like they were debatable. I think all three cards were, you know, they weren't conclusive. So. You know that to me points out a bigger issue within the refereeing in the GA, and uh, you know I think people are forgetting there's a lot of snowflakes out there these days. Like hurling is a manly game; it's a physical game, and we don't want to lose that either. You know, um, these little tips and knocks like they're they're part. Jeez, if you look back at videos of the 90s, like it was, you know, so physical and, and, and okay, probably too much maybe, but we don't want to lose that part of the game either. Yeah, like you can be physical and, and what we're looking for is physicality without like, you know, without dirt, let's say. Dirt, That's what yeah. we're looking for. And there wasn't any dirt in, um, you know, in the Austin Gleeson yellow card at, at the end. There wasn't like, it was just two guys, whatever. And I look, maybe I'm wrong here to say that Robert Downey said, okay, let's cause something here. Maybe get two yellows, Austin Gleeson is off. Maybe I am, but I just have a feeling that it may have been something that might have been pointed out and, and it, it is an easy target then. I think Simon Dunne proved that the the day they played Wexford in the league semi final. You know, it didn't take much to get a reaction out of Gleeson either. No, I suppose no, that's I mean, that's probably a key point, isn't it? You know, there's a fuse there, obviously, and 
you know, like Hegarty, you're on the edge. You have to be on the edge if you're one of these marquee players. I mean, he had a super game of four points and definitely probably was a turning point there, but a fully deserved win. I suppose Patrick Horgan now, all-time championship point scorer as well. Magnificent accolade for such a talisman for Cork for many years. And I suppose Karen Kingston, I suppose, is a big decision to be made in terms of Horgan now, in terms of game time, uh, you know, given if other players are maybe impressing a bit. I suppose we can move swiftly on here, guys, in terms of Leinster Senior Hurling Championship. What really stood out for you, Kieran, uh, on those games uh, at the weekend? Uh, I think we'd have to mention Kenny, you know. The, we talked about uh, going up to Parnell Park again and were they going to back up to the feet of Dublin up there and it was a pretty much similar outcome and similar result. Really impressive. Like, I think Rossi Keown has turned into a bit of a goal scorer for them, you know, and, and consistent at it. Uh, but he used some huge performance around the field, like TJ Reid won seven, obviously Rossi Keown 2-1, Mullen five points, King Kenny who had probably fallen out of favour with Kenny for a while, coming in with four points and really putting his hand up again the next day. But I think the full forward line, Kenny's full forward line, Massey Keown, Kenny and Cody just caused the double full back line awful bother in there, you know. And I think and I think this would probably what something Wexford will struggle as well. Oh Murphy just going route one with puckouts and you know, that's what Kenny want. They don't want to be playing the ball through the lines, you know, put it long, win their own ball. Dublin they're gonna find it very hard to pick themselves up for a trip to Galway. It won't, like they're, I think they're heavily reliant on a, a core set of players. They don't seem to have much on the bench. And you just kind of wonder how far they will go when it gets to the All-Ireland Series. You know, albeit I, I think they will get there, possibly third. But, uh, you know, I don't think teams definitely won't fear them anyway coming into quarterfinal or qualifiers. Rory, can we get you in here at the Matty Kenny era here in Dublin? Yeah. When he was appointed, there was much fanfare, Kula dominant club in the senior club scene there was maybe an expectation within hurling fans in dublin that maddie kenny would maybe inspire and provide maybe some up fortunes so but i suppose what's been the era like for you rory i mean you know looking at a 17 point loss here it doesn't really kind of bode well does it when you're looking at the matty era kenny era um going forward I think it's been an era of kind of false dawns. Uh, we saw it last year when they performed so well against Galway, and then, you know, that was it for them in the championship. It was flat after that. Like, uh, if you're going in over Dublin, you know that the team, you have to meet or Kilkenny, and that's your target. You have to out hurl Kilkenny. You have to beat Kilkenny, basically, you know, as a Dublin manager to have success. This was the 11th defeat in a row for Dublin against Kilkenny. Seven in the championship, plus thrown in league. 11 defeats in a row against Kilkenny, and... You know, that's well, probably what the Matty Kenny era is going to be known for is just not that inability to beat Kenny. They've beaten Wexford, they've beaten Galway, but just not being able to get over the line in, in, in big championship games against them. Um, look, uh, as well, they're going to be there as third place, we reckon. Um, in, in the past, as we said, they've had Galway's number in recent years. The last five years, they've given as good as they've got against Galway, especially last year. Just don't see it happening this year. Always seem to have, uh, you know, moved on. They've uh, youth coming into the team, and that's kind of something maybe Dublin are lacking. Like we don't have this next player, like with Galway, there's talk Evan Nyland, you've Ronan Glennon, you've Tom Monaghan, and there's this kind of, you know, youthful exuberance kind of coming in, joining the elder statesmen in the team. And you're looking at Dublin, kind of going, where are these? Where's your next Denny Sutcliffe or Chris Crummy or like these boys are established players, and you're 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 lacking that kind of, you know, the next kid in the block really, and it's just something that they're missing. And um, yeah, I, I just I, I can't see them beating Galway. 
and I think it's a safety net for the Munster final because whoever loses Munster final are going to end up playing the third place Leinster team, which would be Dublin. And you cannot see Dublin beating Clare Limerick at the moment. Like they just seem to be a good bit off it. You can't see them beating Galway. Like maybe I'll have egg in my face this time next week, but I just can't see it happening. Like it's just, uh, I think there's a, a golf there that's too much. And the fact Galway will be hurting from last year as well. So um, that's a factor as well. And I suppose the other big story from Leinster was Westmead's heroic performance. We had mentioned how like they had uh, gone 50 minutes toe to toe in previous games and just faded. But this time it was Westmead who got the last score and a crucial one. And it was just a pity like that we couldn't see any of it because I know they had a camera there. <laughs> Back to <laughs> I, was looking, I was actually looking forward to it. And he said, I said to the lads, I said, you know what? Now, I, I hope they actually show a proper highlights package of this because this is like huge for Westmead. Talk about promoting Hurling and Westmead. They've, you know, drawn with a, a team that won the Leinster Championship in 2019. Like this is a massive, and I know they, they, they beat Kilkenny in under 21 a couple of years ago, but this was a far bigger achievement. And then out on came the highlights on Sunday game, and it was like it was like it was filmed from Google Earth or from the International Space Station, because I couldn't see what was going on. It was a real shame, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. for such a marquee result for Joe Fortune, the people of Westmead, the Westmead Horrors, I'm thinking of Tommy Doyle, Killian Doyle, the Grevels, McNichtses, David Glennons, to have a camera perched up on the main stand like miles away from it is this really kind of does the GAHQ really have to look at these games now I mean RT are kind of one of the sole TV broadcasters along with Sky Sports is there now kind of more arguments now to bring in more TV coverage into this competition particularly a Tina G that have really revolutionized league underage um, packages I thought it was a downright disgrace in terms of the Sunday game highlights say Karen. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, we we talked last week on what, on what TNG are doing for, especially club hurling, underage hurling, and and and, and league hurling. I think RT, unless it's going to be full of stars and fanfare, they don't want to know about it. And I think that showed it. Jesus, it was like the recording of Nokia fifty one ten from twenty years ago. You know, it was absolutely brutal. Um, yeah, look, absolute coolest to Westmead. She's the. Uh, they celebrate, celebrated like they had won the game. Uh, Joe Fortune, who's actually an Enniscorty man, and he was actually in the in the reckoning for the extra job this time last year, or you know, going into the year. Um, put done an incredible job up there, but I think Wexford left it behind in a way. Like there were sixteen points to one nine and forty five or six minutes gone. Uh, Twenty one wides and fourteen of them coming in the second half, like you know, and. The, the two the, from what you could see, like the two goals were very soft. You know, we've we've seen frailties in the Wexford full back line this year, but you know, the, I think they're very disappointed in that. This was a game they should be winning. You know, did they take the eye off the ball? Possibly. You know, I know it was a late goal in the fifth minute of extra time, but you know, the, the game's not over until the whistle's gone, and they were like a team they were kind of one eye on, on next weekend against Kilkenny, but. You know, if you're looking at the two performances over the weekend, you'd... and the extra don't fear Kilkenny, and, and haven't done in the past few years, and have found ways to beat them, but it's very, very hard to see how they can get past this Kilkenny team. But they're also relying on a Dublin win against Galway, so I think you're you're asking for two miracles there, I think, really. I suppose the work rate as well. Uh, one thing I did notice from the p- highlights that I did see, 
particularly in the opening period, was the, the distribution from Westmead. They went short very much frequently in that opening half. And literally, Clark was the main distributor from the back. There wasn't really much pressure being applied here by the inside full forward line at Wexford, which I think is maybe where Egan may have kind of pinpointed in video analysis to the guys. But I suppose it's a magnificent result for Joe Fortune, who I think has been a very well-respected coach for the clubs that he has and counties that he's been working on. I think that gives him an absolute platform now for an inter-county team to really kind of take a punt on Joe Fortune now because... You know, I thought Westmead played very well on the day. And again, 14 players, David Glennon gets a second yellow card down the stretch. You'd think maybe Wexford pull away, but the 21 wides was just, God, oh, how can you defend that Like as, as players? I mean, managers have to take the brunt of it, and Darry can then come out in front up. But I mean, from a player's perspective, I mean, some of the shot selection and accuracy was just not there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, all kudos to Westmead, and I suppose they do have the crunch game against uh, Leash uh, this weekend to see who actually goes down from... Uh, the Leinster uh, division. Yeah, I suppose, guys, can we get a few predictions for me? Uh, Most of the senior in championship. Uh, Claire Waterford, tip Claire. Kieran, may I start with you first? I think Claire Waterford, obviously, Claire, are, obviously, they know their truth is the Munster final. There's a couple of ways, I suppose, low one might look at it. Obviously, it might give them a chance to rest certain players. Obviously, Tony Kelly, you know, you don't want to risk any injury. You know, and give, I suppose, maybe the likes of Mark Rogers, who might come back in, and you know players who kind of need some game time. Shame me, and you know, I, like I think similar to what Limerick did against Clare last weekend, the kind of the pressure isn't on. You can throw in a few guys and and give them some experience and some and and game time. But you don't want to risk losing momentum either. I think you know Clare have a bit of a run going now. You know they played ex- extremely well in the three games to date in in, a, in, a, in the championship. Like they've been very impressive, and can sometimes upset that and, and, and get out of that rhythm. So I think we won't see too much. I think may possibly might rest Tony Kelly, but I don't think you're going to see wholesale changes. You might see the way, possibly see me and Sartre and I like that. But regarding who's going to win, I think, look, obviously there's no pressure on Clare. Walford are going to have a, to come with a, a bit, I suppose, a kickback from last weekend. And I think on based on that, you're probably going to, you're, you're going to expect a Waterford win. Um, they're going to have to put their best foot forward and and hope for other results to go their way. Tip and Cork. Look, you're you're probably going to have to say Cork. Look, Tipperary obviously impressed against Limerick. They have a really really slight chance of progressing, but I think it's kind of a, you know, I think it's it's in Cork's hands. I think you know Cork win. They're true, and you know if they can put put the same performance in that they got last week i think uh it probably would be enough to to get over to prairie so i'm going to go waterford and cork yeah rory who do you have yeah like again a lot a lot on the Clare waterford game is going to depend on team selection and the bookies have clear three to one which i don't know have they got as word filtered out to them they're usually on the ball with these things like so they're obviously anticipating that Clare won't go full strength and I agree with Kieran. Like he's not gonna. I I reckon it'll be maybe rest John Conlon, um, and uh, again rest Tony Kelly. Um, also like he, he's gonna want to give game time. Maybe Shanahan who didn't look very fit when he came in against Cork, get him a bit few more minutes in, and you could pop Duggan out the wing forward because I think like we have to remember Duggan and Shane O'Donnell had no league campaign, so every game is val- valuable to them. So I don't see him resting either of those two. Plus they didn't really hit the heights that we expected last week, so it'll be a chance for them to. You know, get a bit better, get get a bit of confidence back going into the Munster final. So yeah, I, I think yeah, I think I'd be expecting about 12, 12 of the team that that 
either started or came in against against um, against Limerick. I, I don't think Rogers is quite there yet. I, uh, I think he's just back, kind of doing some light training with the group. Aidan McCarthy apparently is doing full training, so he's he's a guy. Uh, I was surprised to see David Reedy, who um, had had knee operation recently. You know, so quick recovery. I know it was kind of one of those kind of a cleaning out operation, but still, I had heard like Munster Championship was going to be too soon for him. But it's gas like when a team are going well, how quickly injuries heal up. Same at Rogers. Same at Rogers, Aidan McCarthy. These were long term injuries, and suddenly lads are burst and they got to get back in there, which is great for Lohan. Um, gives him, you know, plenty of selection headaches. But yeah, I, I do think that he will. Yeah, he he he's gonna does he's gonna think about it. What what guys need game time, but at the same time, I don't think he's going to like you're not going to see anything like 10 changes I don't see I don't see it like that he's going to try and keep the team settled but um, also like let's say if something did ever happen John Conlon he, and there's a, who's his plan B for centre back he could figure that out at the weekend um, same thing as well like maybe get Duggan out wing forward because he hasn't played a lot in the half forward line where which was his position pre-Australia and it'll give him options and matches then if he does need to bring Shannon Hurray and bring Duggan out if they're not winning the ball in the half forward line so a couple of things like that so yeah look based on the fact that Waterford will be going all out to win and we're not sure what Clare will do. Um, yeah, you have to go with the bookies on this one, maybe go with the Waterford win. And I actually, the other game, I think Cork now that they've had their second coming, you know, and they've went down to Waterford and won. I think Cork are going to be buoyant and full of confidence going in here against Tip. And it, I think it could be pretty one-sided. You know, I think it could be a bit of a, a you know, eight points victory and kind of going out there. Which yeah. Tipperary, Tipperary were hearing that before the Limerick game, and it seemed to <laughs> seemed to rile them when everybody was predicting double digit wins. Um, us the same, but I, I just have this feeling now that Cork are, you know, pepping their step going into it, um, and they're not, they don't want to. They know if they win, they go through. They're not going to want to, you know, leave anything to chance, and um, momentum is on their side. I think Tip's scenario is Tip have to win by seven points, and Clare have to beat Waterford by seven points. So that's, you know, it's yeah, it's pretty short straw, I think. You know, now look, Tip could win by seven. You never know. Red card, anything can happen. Game of hurling, um. But then for both things to happen as well, like uh, kind of maybe a not full strength Clare having to beat Watford by seven points is is kind of a tall order. Again, and Rory, I think it's an opportunity for the guys that are coming in to put that hand up for two weeks time in a Munster hurling final as well. I mean, you've seen, I think, with the Limerick guys that came in, worked extremely hard for the cause. So I don't think, from a Watford perspective, just given my no. prediction, all the pressure's on Watford here. Think they so. may win, but I don't think it might be enough because I think Cork will win. But I think Tipperary will give Cork problems. Uh, I do see that insightful forward line with Jake Morris definitely is primed for a big performance. A few goals from him may keep Tip in it for long periods. But I think Cork, with the motivation, knowing that if they get the results, they're true to not Ireland series. You know, I mean, if James Mulcair was here, he'd bite the hand off you three weeks ago if they were in this scenario. So uh, I think I will go for Cork and Waterford, but I think Waterford will be getting dumped out of the provincials. I suppose we go quickly for the Leinster Senior Hurling Championship. We, ha- we haven't mentioned the Galway Leash game, 237 to 21 points. And I mean, Galway secured the All-Ireland Series berth uh, last Saturday in Oldmore Park. And I mean, there was some excellent hurling in the first and third quarters here for Galway. But credit to Leash, they put seven points on the board unanswered. They were only six points down at the break, but then two quick fire goals. I think Joseph Cooney was one of them. Um, did basically break the game open. Uh, Cahill Mannion, seven points. Tom Monaghan, six points. Whelan, one, two. But I suppose for at least the worries, Scully and Dwyer went off with injuries very early on as well. So, I mean, we can go to these games now. I mean, Galway played Dublin in Pierce Stadium. 
Kilkenny facing Wexford and UPMC, Nolan Park, and then probably the relegation battle between Leach and Westmead. Uh, who do you have in these games, Kieran? I think from Shefflin's point of view, I think he's I think he's licking his lips here. Um, like people talking about Ireland, all Ireland contenders, and obviously Limerick were there, and Clare's name is up and directing now, but there isn't a mention of Galway, you know, and I think they've been ticking along nicely, doing what they have to do. Getting Ronan Glennon, game time the weekend, Nyland, Jason Flynn black in, you know, and they're they're creating a, a fair panel there. I'm really, really impressed Cahill Mannion and Tom Monaghan again. You know, I think these boys are, you know, they're they're absolutely shooting the lights out every game they play and creating huge problems in the half hour line. Um obviously Connor Whelan back in, obviously great game to get a bit of game back or a bit of time back in to master the injury. Joseph Cooney again scoring. Uh, looking at Dublin, Jesus, it's very hard to see a bounce back from a 17-point defeat. You know, uh, training will be hard this week, and okay, obviously Galway know that they're they're safe in the they're in the top three, but they they still have to play for the right to be in the Leinster final. So, I think based on that, I think it's hard to see past Galway. 14 different scores the weekend. You know, I think it was a uh, the the perfect game to. To lead into the the Dublin game, I think. Kenny Wexford. It's actually a game I bought tickets for about five or six weeks ago, and I was looking ahead, preempting what might happen, and I thought, right, this game is going to be maybe a knockout game at the end. I suppose in a way, probably a little bit it is, but mentally, Wexford will find it very hard to come back from. Okay, it wasn't a defeat; it was still a draw. But I think they're, you know, it's it's a game they should have won. Compare that to what Kenny did against Dublin. I think Wexford will really, really struggle and Kenny's long puckouts. I think, you know, it's it's an area Wexford have struggled all year. They don't have the ball winners that Kenny have. Um, I think that's why they've been letting teams have the short puckouts and let it work through. But Warren Murphy is going to put it long all day and I think they're really going to struggle. And I think I think Kenny will win this with a lot to spare. Leach Westmead? I'm hoping Westmead, I think, Westmead's approach to the championship has to be commended. You know, they've really given it their all every game. As we mentioned, like they were they were in contention most games, 40, 50 minutes in. You know, I think maybe teams kind of opened up a little bit then and maybe certain players came on. But I think really impressed them this year. I think either way, it's been a great great start for Joe Fortune, his first year in charge. He's really bought him on. I think the, there was a lot of work done a couple of years ago, Joe Quaid's time. You know, I think he's bottom on another step from that. I know Leash are regulars in this situation, and it's probably some. It's they'll have a lot of experience in this, and you know, I think Cheddar alluded to last weekend. He was pretty happy with the result against Galway, or well, how the game went anyway. And uh, I think maybe Leash with the one or two injury concerns with Dwyer and Scully. I I think I'm going to go for Westmead, but I think I'm more so. I kind of I'd like to see Westmead do it. Rory, uh, your predictions? Yeah, I think we correct, correctly predicted a few weeks ago that the Wexford-Dublin game was going to be absolutely crucial to who was going to emerge from Leinster, and it seems to be proven that way. I don't see Galway letting up against Dublin, even the fact Galway you know, are, are, are qualified. I don't think they'll let up. You have, even if he's bringing guys in, you're bringing in the likes of Jason Flynn and Ronan Glennon, like guys who score an ability, home crowd. They'll feel that there's a bit of hurt there from what happened against Dublin last year that they want to set right. 
Um, and again, like uh, as we know with Cody, he, there's never this thing of, oh, we were going to finish third or anything. I know this talk was coming into the Munster Championship. Is there an easier route finishing third? Like uh, Shefflin is going to want silverware and he's going to want to shake Cody's hand again, I think, at the end of the Leinster final. And there might be a different... Uh, <laughs> might be a different reaction but look um yeah th- that's so i i'm going to predict galway here kilkenny then as well yeah i think like wexford have been the disappointment of the championship um they showed such hope early in the league and w- we went through the league every round kind of saying oh when will wexford kind of fall flat and it didn't happen and we were saying you know maybe there's there's something here re- real to them and rory o'connor was flying like and rory o'connor's been a disappointment as well in the championship for a guy who promised so much like two points from play against Westmeath. Um, if he had scored, let's say the five or six points he'd be expecting, throwing the, the goal here, like the, he looked so threatening in the league and was a marked man in every game and was still getting the better of his opponents. But um, it just hasn't, from the very first game where Jack Grealish kind of had his number for Galway, it just hasn't really happened for him in the championship. Uh, unless he comes with a powerful, you know, game against down in Nolan Park. And again, like, like last week, we saw the signs for that Cork could, you know, that Cork could beat. Waterford and turn everything on its head. I just don't see it happening in Olin Park that um, Wexford are going to turn this thing over in its head, you know. Um, look, the motivation is still absolutely there for them. They don't have this fear of Kilkenny, like, because they have been their match underage and recently in Championship as well, they've turned them over. Um, they're going to win there with belief and everything, but just from what we've seen so far, and all evidence is going to point to Kilkenny win there. And Westmead and Leash, I kind of agree with Kieran in that uh, I think Westmead. You'd be hoping Westmead win this game. Not anything against Leash, but Westmead seem to have gone into every game and tried their hearts out. And you just have the feeling with Leash, apart from the game in, in Parnell Park in Dublin, where they launched, you know, a starting comeback at the end. Um, like you feel that Leash kind of waved a white flag very early in games when they've gone down. And um, there was the same in the league where Antrim were being that team that were competitive and throwing everything at opponents, and uh, only for Leash to turn them over. And you're just wondering, like. Is that in leash again? Are leash going to produce the big victory to, you know, um, beat Westmead and climb above them in, in in the finishing table? But uh, look, from what from what we've seen so far, and with injuries mounting for leash, you probably have to go with Westmead there as well. So the only concern I'd have for Westmead is is getting scores from play. I think they're really they are reliant on on Killian Doyle, but I think looking at leash, there is a few more ball game winners there like Purcell and I don't know if Dwyer is going to feed. To Ross King, you know, they're probably not as reliant on one or two players, but like, uh, I think Westmead only scored was it one five from play the weekend, you know, if they got the draw, but you know, so it's, um, yeah, hopefully it's an area they can brush up on. Yeah, I think that leash Westmead game is fascinating, and yeah, I, that's a great point, Karen, in terms of maybe the overdependence on Kitty and Doyle a bit. I think Leash have been there, done that, bought the t shirt in terms of these relegation games, they do take a life of their own. Just worried about the, the emotional high of last weekend with me Westmead, how that's going to translate into performance this weekend when they really need it. Hearts going Westmead, heads going Leash. I'm going to go head here. I think Leash. I think by maybe two or three points. This could go into extra time as well, guys. Uh, I just feel that there's probably not much between these sides uh, overall. I suppose Kilkenny Wexford. Kilkenny going to go all out, and I think Wexford, even for Dara Egan's sake, to even kind of ensure that he's manager next season. I think Wexford need a good strong performance here. But I still think Kilkenny looked very impressive with Todd Mullen and Murphy, that midfield duo of eight points from play. That was a big statement of intent there from Cody, particularly when you have uh, 
um, you know, the inside for Fordine going so well. Uh, I think that's uh, probably Kilkenny win at the home. And Galway, they're wetting their lips here in terms of Dublin coming to town. I think they have a lesson to teach uh, Dublin here in terms of Walsh Cup and also Leinster Senior Hurling Championship there last year. There's an awful lot of revenge here. Um, it's not been said kind of publicly, but within hurling circles here in Galway, they're just looking forward to Dublin coming to Pierce Stadium and putting a show on. I think Galway here will be putting a bit of a performance on here. If weather is good, I think eight, nine points probably going away is probably a realistic game here. I think Dublin have massive issues starting from goalkeeper all the way. I think Liam Rush needs to be back as soon as he can, to be honest with you. I think that insightful forward line for Dublin didn't really do much in terms of open play. If that continues, I think uh, it could be a long afternoon for Matty Kenny in his native county. Uh, before we go here, guys, Rory, you touted awfully minors here about two months ago in this Hurling podcast that this was a minor team to watch out for. And last night, Dublin scenes no more park in Port Leash, uh, awfully bridging a 22-year gap with a 21-13 point win over Leash. Great Great win for Offaly, great win for Leo O'Connor. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, first of all, congratulations to Leo O'Connor. I worked with him at Limerick Sixteens a few years back, and like he has a wonderful man manager. Like the all the players would, you know, die for him out in the pitch, and we saw that last night because Leach threw everything at them. And uh, look, I, I just think Leach lacked uh, maybe a couple of hurlers where Offaly had the individual brilliance up front of Screeny and Ravenhill, and um, just a solid half back line as well. Um, actually two rampaging halfbacks flying forward like the first score of the game is a perfect example of it and then a wonderful score from uh, Charlie so uh, no just one or two wonderful scores and uh, it just uh, I just thought like uh, Leash at times like even in the second half it looked like off we're going to pull away and Leash got it back to a goal again I think in the first half when Leash had the breeze was when they were a bit wasteful and could have made it a tighter game coming down the finish. But look, Offaly, as we could all see, had that bit on them. Like, um, But that's not nothing to take away from Leash. Cuddy at centre-back was excellent for Leash at times. Full-back as well. Um, took an early yellow card. Yeah, played really well. Came out with the ball really well and used the ball cleverly. Very composed. And um, in the end, I think just Offaly having that few extra forwards, few extra scoring forwards told in the end. Um, but look, the big thing here for Leash is that they're going to round Robin now with Clare and Galway. And it just keeps like the whole thing here at this age group is about development. And the more games they play against high quality opposition, it's going to bring them on. And it's look, it's great to see. Um, Harley needs more counties um, competing and not just now a, like a one off team. Like you're hoping that Offaly can back this up with another minor team, maybe in the next two to three years that gets to the Leinster final again. I know they're in the Leinster final two years ago as well. So, like, you kind of want to see a conveyor belt coming and it, that it's not just, you know, one championship and then they disappear again for a few years. Same with Leash. Hopefully, like that, again, Leash can, can stay at this level now, sustain it for a few more years as well. Um, well look, Westmead is only another one. I sometimes wonder with these counties, and look, it's easy for me to say, but, like, uh, Westmead, with the way Leinster football has gone, like, and I know they, they shoved it up to Kildare at the weekend in the football, but you'd wonder, like, with, with their population, like, they're not too far off it in Hurling. And that if they focus more energy into hurling, would they have a better chance of being competitive? Like they're, as you, as we could see, like they're drawing with Wexford there, and we know like they're limited hurling resources up in Westmead, and it's a magnificent achievement. You'd wonder if they focus more on hurling, and especially in, you know, the more built-up areas. You're at Lowen's, Mullingar, um, like uh, you know, would it be a better move to make from a success point of view? <laughs> um, 
Look, but look, there's a thought for another day, I suppose. But first of all, like congratulations again to Offaly and Leo, and they're going to be real All Ireland contenders here. Um, I think it was the first thing Leo Connor mentioned afterwards in the interview, like was okay, we'll enjoy tonight. But he's looking at the bigger prize because he knows that the team are, are certainly you know competitive enough to, to really go after the big prize. They were much vaunted, like the Forestal Cup. We'd heard about this Offaly team coming down up through the ranks, and I mean, a touch of skill set, but. Yeah, we talked about throwback days. I thought the atmosphere in Elmore Park in Port Leach was just phenomenal. I thought the second half was quite funny in terms of, you know, all the kids out in the hurling pitch. And then, you know, there was about a five minute, 10 minute delay for the kids to come back in after kind of poking the ball around. It just had that old school vibe about it. You know, two passionate hurling supporter bases starved of success. And you could really sense it from the TV images from Tina G. So I think congratulations to Offaly, but also to Leach as well. They have a good man, Derek McGrath there and the backroom staff, you know, they'll regroup. And, you know, Claire and Galway in the All-Ireland series, I think you can see from Leash's perspective with Ben Deegan, particularly how they have beaten Wexford, how they've beaten Kilkenny. You know, they have a real work rate and desire, um, you know, an intensity there, particularly in the middle third. And they will pose problems for Claire and Galway in that All-Ireland series. And as I said, it's building building the future up uh, to get into under-20s and also into minors. I suppose, Karen, before we go, the All-Ireland under-20 finals scheduled for this weekend. The Kenny and Limerick uh, initial thoughts. This is a lengthy podcast, ladies and gentlemen, but I think we have uh, plenty to talk about here. I think initially, GA, I suppose when the scheduling of the game was, was, was announced, I think they thought the Cork Tipperary game might have been a damn squib and a dead rubber, but it's going, to, it's going to be completely different now. So I think tickets-wise, it'll probably be you know, it'll be two good games and value for money. Um, yeah, look, I, I think we, we kind of talked about it last week. I think uh, if you were to compare both provincial finals and even the semi-finals, I think the it, it seemed like the the monster side of things was a bit more uh, to a higher level. Um, you know, I think they you know they probably play harder teams and you're you're playing Cork and Clare and Tipperary, you know, which always have good underage teams. So I think based just on that fact, I think alone and it's the only thing we have to compare, I think um you'd be kinda of hopeful for a, a Limerick win, I think, by a couple of points. Yeah. Rory might get you in there because I feel this Kilkenny challenge, it's been slowly kind of building. You know, they had the epic Galway extra time win, which locals here in Galway are still scratching their head how they actually blew a lead late. They had a very kind of topsy-turvy game against Wexford and Leinster Hurling final uh, with Derek Ling really kind of saying we have work to do ahead of an All-Ireland final. Maybe coming in under the radar a little bit here. What are your thoughts in terms of Kilkenny, you know, being an All-Ireland finalist? You have to give him massive respect. Well, anytime Kilkenny are in an All-Ireland final, like, they're, you're gonna, they're going to fight tooth and nail. Like, uh, that's the one thing with Kilkenny. They play like a county that's never won anything. So when you meet them in a final, just to match them and that... Uh, raw aggression and hunger is going to be and if I just think Limerick have the hurlers and I think Limerick you know uh, all three year they've against Clare they kind of won it at the death um, Cahill O'Neill who unfortunately as we mentioned last week is ineligible to play for them um, you know uh, but another factor for Limerick is uh, Paddy O'Donovan is kind of back came on against um, Tipperary made a bit of a difference he came in, he's been injured for most of the Munster campaign he's going to be another boost for them because uh, he's another real talented forward and it uh, just, yeah, I, I just think, um, and we spoke about this last week, Limerick had 12 different scores against Tipperary and just that scoring power. And we kind of saw, I know Wexford were dogged and their defence were really well structured against Kilkenny. 
Um, but just and so it is kind of hard to compare like for like. Um, but still, I just think that this Limerick team, um, they've had a lot of success. Um, I know Kilkenny actually beat them in the minor semi-final in Crow Park three years ago. But I just think Carlos, Kilkenny and Crow Park is a different kettle of fish, especially if you're a young lad coming up there. They have that bit of experience there, you know even through sometimes colleges or, or minor, but the fact it's on in, in Thurles, I think is going to help Limerick in a way. It won't be um, won't be the same daunting prospect. And I just think that they have the, I just overall think they have the better hurling team and there's more scores in their team. So yeah, I, I just expect with the likes of Adam English and Colin Coughlin and lads of plenty of inter-county, senior inter-county experience, it is going to matter, I think. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm tipping Limerick. And again, by Kieran, I think it'll be, you know, maybe three, four points. Yeah, likewise. I think I will give the slight edge to Limerick here. Just on the scoring prowess, Aidan O'Connor as well has played very well. 30 points in the campaign so far. I suppose it'd be interesting to see Drennan as well from Kilkenny. You know, he's high score for Kilkenny, but again, an awful lot from place balls. It'll just be a fascinating matchup here. Just to see how the tactics are uh, from Mullins and Ling from the management side of things. But uh, best of luck to both teams. Guys, it's been a lengthy one, but... Uh, there's been a really kind of good discussion here. I'd like to thank Rory and Kieran uh, for your time here tonight. And next week we'll review uh, the end of the provincial round robins and really kind of give our scoring cards for the teams for kind of eggs in the championship and looking ahead to uh, the Leinster Munster finals and also the All Ireland series. Until then, guys, thanks very much. Good, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.